Well, welcome to the 8th, ninth episode of Curse with Good Idea. Uh, we'll start with the sounds of drilling from Shanghai. And joining us today is Katie Roseland from, uh, from I don't know, from Basement 6 before and Shanghai Community Radio and a bunch of other projects that she, she will uh, describe in a while. Um, today we also have, uh, well, uh, Gabriel here and uh, Dino from Melbourne as usual. And uh, we're also very happy to have Patrick back, our first guest. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Dino. Hey, everybody. Yo. Hey, how are you doing? Um, some more drilling. And uh, so uh, the story is that in, I think, 2014, 14, 15, uh, I met Katie in Shanghai through a common friend uh, who introduced us. And Katie was, uh, at the time, pretty involved with Basement 6. And Basement 6 is this, uh, was this uh, underground art performance uh, space that was literally in a basement of a building in the French concession. And it was pretty cool. There was also other other stuff in the same basement, like a, a record store, I think it's still there, and uh, a printing shop. And, and so basement was kind of a cultural hub for that, for Shanghai at that time, and until I guess a year ago or so when it closed down. So uh, this is where I met Katie, and then we did a bunch of events, and uh, we collaborated on some stuff, like some talks and things, and she's very much, I think you've been in Shanghai for like 10 years now, no? Uh, Shanghai, like seven. Seven, okay. Yeah. Oh, you've been somewhere else before, right? Like when you, yeah. were, when you first went to China. Where yeah, was that? Been, uh, like around Xi'an, China. So there was a okay. small town. I was there for like uh, maybe six months, and then I got a job in Hey, I got a job in Dalian for like a year, and then I went to right. Shanghai. Oh, Dalian must have been like yeah. super cold. How did you end up doing? stuff in Shanghai's underground scene? Uh, it's kind world? of an accident. I think um, I was actually looking for an apartment and I found this basement thing and I thought it was really interesting and like super okay. crazy. I was on Craigslist. So this was like before people use WeChat when people still use mm. like Craigslist and all this kind of stuff to buy and sell. I think it was, yeah. Anyway, so I found this basement and at the time I had started like traveling. I had gone to actually Australia. I'd gone to Melbourne and I had gone to this event that was like this uh, called No Lights, No Like or a dark dancing event. And I wanted to put one on in Shanghai. And I talked right. to a friend and we wanted to do it together. And then there was like no venue for that. Like people wanted to charge us like exorbitant amount of money yeah. just to like rent their space to like shut off all the lights and like dance to music. And so I found that studio. I went back to there, that basement. And if maybe if you're familiar with Shanghai, they have a lot of like these like underground, like essentially bomb shelters, like bunkers. Right. And yeah, yeah. Um, right, and these were like probably mandated by the the state to be built like in the 30s, 40s, whatever. And so there was like a lot of these that are just sitting empty. And so there was an artist who had this studio, and then he left, and we took that place, and we started right. as this weird dance thing that was like yeah, super kind of creepy a bit. And then people <laughs> were coming, and they were like, "Can we use the place to do this? Can we use it to do that?" And then it kind of just took off from there and the actual address was just the number six basement so right it was like <laughs> really kind of just all came together and it, it felt quite natural that way um but and so it was also, like did you also live there or it was just like a space nah. you it for, like, oh, okay you don't want to live there no one wants to live yeah, there no. except like roaches and like <laughs> that place was crazy i did like one time do like a 10 10 day residency in the second basement so that's a right. different one like we had a first one that was really really dank like actually dank like 
<laughs> humid and moldy and like there was a guy who was like the manager there who had like a hunchback it was like really <laughs> creepy and i think that's why people liked it because it was almost this like found object like they were like so fascinated that um we were like having like photo exhibitions there or right. like dancing nights with like really shitty like molded sound system or I wouldn't even see sound system, like speakers, like whatever. And mm. then, um, you know, we'd have like people painting there sometimes or like screening a film with like a projector. And it was like very, very DIY, dare I say, like DIY. Was it the same place? No, it was another place. Was it that was the first from? one. Then okay. um, there was some changes happening in 2013. Like I would say like within Hong Kong, right? If you remember that All time. Right, right. And yeah. um, the like Instagram got blocked that year. A few other things got blocked. And I think that our landlord was kind of like, what are you guys up to? Because mm. if you're not making money, if this isn't a business, <laughs> then what the hell are you doing? And actually like somebody had put that to me quite aptly. Like, yo, if this, if it's more creepy that you guys are not making money down here yeah, yeah, yeah. to like, like an CIA, outsider. Yeah. CIA, so they were like, up. exactly. They were like, get yeah. the fuck out. Bye. Mm. So then we got with, um, Sako and Sophia of Uptown Records and that place was just down the street and it was right. uh, yeah, quite serendipitous and it worked really well because they had like this back room that they needed to fill and they were like okay whatever like do whatever you want you're weird we don't care <laughs> and okay, that that great. one I really like I, I, I really liked that space a lot because um, I think at that point we became more of a mixed crowd and it wasn't like just like serving a bunch of expats who couldn't speak Chinese. It was like we had a lot of events that were really local. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the thing I enjoyed uh, about Basement. I mean, I only, I've only been at the second Basement. I uh, haven't been at the first one, but it was like right. really, really cool to just hang out there. So the, the second Basement closed, like you shut it down, what was last year, like a year ago or so? It's still open and it's still running. Oh, it's still open? Okay. Yeah, oh, but we're not there. We've okay. all disbanded. So, like, I don't know. This is something, like, I kind of brought up to Gabriel before, like, talking about, like, the death of DIY. At least for me, yeah, yeah. it feels like that. But I'm sure everybody goes through that and they're like, oh, DIY's dead. Like, punk's dead. Whatever. Sure. Um, but I think that, for me, was, like, the ceiling of the coffin because it was... It was an event that we ran. Uh -huh. um, I think that became, like, a little bit on the radar for, like, cultural right. ministry. And that being said, it doesn't mean that, like, we were popular at all. We probably had, like, maybe, a f you know, a few hundred people who would, like, to come mm. regularly. And then, like, maybe on our WeChat following, we had, like, a thousand or something. Like, it was never, we were never, like, huge. But the cultural uh, ministry, I think, does a really good job of, like, making sure every happening that's going on is, like, in good nature. Do you know what I'm saying right. here? Yeah, yeah. Am I getting? <laughs> I already feel a little bit creepy talking about this. Um, it was an it's event fun. that was raising money for displaced migrant workers in Beijing. Ah, uh, yeah, no, no. right? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, and actually, it it was uh, a studio mate's idea of mine, and like I thought, like she was like super admirable for it. Like she's from northern China, and she was like very, very like hurt and heartbroken by these events that were happening it, like exactly a year ago. It was November. Right. Um, yeah. People were like sleeping outside. They had been taken out of like their like migrant like worker slums. And, and anyway, 
if you don't know, like probably people know about the events, maybe. Yeah, it was and a pretty, pretty big. Uh, it was a pretty big story. Yeah. When maybe worth like briefly summarizing. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the details. Listeners. I think it was like uh, Beijing's uh, outskirts. Yeah, so uh, like the these, urban villages the, the, yeah. and what well, they had this um, low quality or low whatever low level population clearance thing so they're just mm -hmm. so a lot of migrant workers not just laborers but also some office workers leaving those areas because they rent are cheap so what happened was they they i think they were given a really urgent notice of uh evacuation so like you're gonna vacate the place in like a week <laughs> and some yeah, people. I think because it was that kind of illegal housing, right? Like uh, subdivided homes and. Well, like, yeah, uh, but a lot of people paid rent, right? So the. Sure. Yeah. The sure. landlords didn't give a shit, so they collected right. rent, and then they didn't give a shit. Well, they couldn't do anything, and the government mm -hmm. said, "I was gonna demolish the whole thing," and some people even not yeah. even even notice. So the one of the worst stories I've heard is from a friend of mine's friend. This guy just went home, and then his home just got demolished. Everything gone. Like, everything right, rubbles. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just went home, and everything's just flattened, um, which is horrifying for some people, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, yeah, for everyone. Yeah, I mean, f especially for the people who have not even probably noticed, but some, some people are noticed, and they had some time to pack up, but... Yeah. I mean, he didn't even know. So this event was not the best way of not getting noticed. Because I right. heard similar things about um, some concerts and shows, like experimental music stuff, which is perfectly fine until something happens um, in terms of content. Like if you put something on the flyers or if you put something online or if you use some uh, sensitive words. But it's, it's because the cultural ministry is always like keeping tabs on things. Like even if they don't do anything, they know what's going on, who's doing what. Right. Uh, I, rem I don't know if you remember this, but in Shanghai, like uh, Junkie, the, the guy from Torturing yeah. Nurse, at some point there was like a letter that uh, someone got hold of. There was a letter, like a document from the Ministry of Culture or, or some similar authority that just detailed everything about him saying like, this guy, that's his real name. He's doing this. He's been doing this music, and it's like, uh, uh, like some weird tendencies and like sexual stuff. Uh, it's not good, and so like eventually they just uh, for forbade him to play for uh, like a year or so under yeah. the the name Torturing Nurse. So I mean, they always keep tab on things. So I guess that's why. Yeah. Uh, the, the basement event. But so what happened? Like, did they just uh, did they get in touch and tell you not to do that or? Well, that's the thing. It's like um, it's never come out that that was the reason. So right. I should say that on the record, like this is all at least my kind of like hunch. This is my assumption because right. we've been in we've been there in that place for maybe two or three years. We've been running mm -hmm. for like at that time five years. And that was the first time like anything. I mean, the police have come down while like someone was drumming really loudly yeah. or something like this. Like we've had run-ins that and we've like ended early our events because the neighbors were complaining and all this. But that was the first time I think that it was that threatening and mm -hmm. our landlord was like i said these record shop owners and i just like felt really disgusting like i didn't want to hurt like i didn't want them to be in risk you mm -hmm. know because of what we were doing but what had happened essentially is the police came down we weren't there all the time we just used the space as an event space so they came down mm -hmm. when we weren't even there and they were right. talking directly to the record shop owners saying like you guys are out of fire code 
um, because of this, this, whatever. And also your walls are blasted illegally, which like you cannot fucking do. And like mm -hmm. underneath the 17th story, like high rise, like you can't just blast any wall you want. So that was yeah. like another thing. And there was just like, they'll, it's that's how it works. Is like, it's extremely like nitpicky and also like very under the radar. And they were like, oh, we're gonna fine you like 1 million renminbi. Mm -hmm. And I was like, even if you have like a bunch of millions like laying around, you're <laughs> not gonna pay the government that. Like it's definitely a fuck you tax. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I felt like that's what it was about. And yeah, I mean, I say all these things and I, and I say like, definitely I know we have like people in our community that were like cultural spies. And those are people mm -hmm. that are like hired by the government that are meant to keep tabs, like you said, like how they were doing with Junkie on everyone. Yeah. And they're like part, people who are interested in the community, like actually genuinely interested in the community. And that's why they fit so well. It's because they like to right. go to shows and they want to take pictures and they do and they take all these photos and they like. And they just make money out of it. It's pretty good. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't really know how it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. All these things are always hearsay. So it's like also too, I kind of sound like a dumbass, like just staying my hunches and assumptions. But that's another reason why I was just like, okay, I think I'm done here. Mm -hmm. And I just like left and went to Mexico for like a couple months. Is I just, right. I was like, I don't know what else we can do. And also like that being said, I don't want to say like, oh, it's like such a, you know, censored kind of situation. It's like, mili like it's militant here. Like da da da. There's still a lot of freedoms in China. And I think that I, I feel like really um, responsible and that I shouldn't play into this like very like, East versus yeah, West yeah. narrative of like Chinese censorship is like, you know, corruption and hurting, you know, like Chinese youth culture and da da da. Because it's, it's not that, it's just that that's what happened and like we learned from it. And, and that's why like we built the radio that we have now um, because it, right. it started in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the record store is what happened afterwards. Like he left, but then did they get fined or everybody got kicked out. Or yeah. Then they got, everybody got kicked out. That's it. So we left, and I think that cooled yeah. things off. And then okay. um, the other guys, they have, like, some other deals that I don't really know a lot about. Right. Um, but always <laughs> it's, like, some dude with Guangxi who probably works in real estate, who has, like, mm -hmm. a lot of power um, that we don't actually know where it comes from. And then, you know, like, somebody with, like, another event. I don't know. There's, like, all kinds of, like, back alley deals that are probably happening. I have no idea. Can I ask for more information about something? Um, sure. It, I mean, this, so th it, this is very interesting to hear, and I think this kind of, um, this kind of, like, patronizing, like, slightly paternalistic, sort of, like, minding, but it's not really quite censorship in an in a overly dramatic kind of way is, you know, I think, like, fairly common to I mean in the history of communism for example this is the kind of stuff that happened all the time like in Yugoslavia or in like the late mm -hmm. USSR um, there's a really great book on on uh, sort of like late Soviet like rock and youth culture by by a Berkeley professor um, named Alexei Yurchak it's a really fun book called everything was forever until it was no more mm -hmm. and it's just kind of about like underground metal culture, like circulating records, kind of like black market and youth culture. And, and the way in which part of what he talks about is this just kind of like the way it's like minded, because essentially it just comes down to that, like the people in the party are, are like older and just like culturally conservative and are and are like genuinely scandalized by like people dancing too closely together or something, right, you okay. know? <laughs> And, and what I'm really interested in here, so given that framework that you, you often have this like low key, 
but annoying paternalistic monitoring of say like youth culture in uh, in in certain states. I'm really intrigued that there's this that there are these um, people that you describe Katie as being more like embedded in the scene in a more organic way who are nonetheless kind of providing the intelligence to the state. And so I'm curious, like what comes first there? Are those people who they're party members first and then they're sent into an environment like that? Or is it like people who are part of the scene but are offered the chance to make money if they're just like, hey, let us know who's doing what? It, are you able to uh, provide us with any anecdotes or speculate about that? Because that sounds really, in, really, in, a really intriguing level of sort of like infiltration, maybe even historically unique. I don't know. Yeah, actually, um, I'm not too sure. Like, there are two individuals who I can take maybe an 80% risk of saying that they definitely work for the 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 cultural administration, based on their behavior, but. And they're a bit older, uh, right. male, probably um, Shanghainese. And uh, for me, I didn't actually meet them until I already knew that they were like art spies, quote art spies, mm -hmm. as they're called. Um, so I'm not sure what happened first. The, the, like what you were saying, if they were actually like um, headhunted as because they are already like person who is like in the scene or if they were just like planted. Um, but either way, it happens It happens really um, organically. Which I think is interesting to note is that we have such beautiful bodies of data that we give to whatever every single day in China, but yet we're still monitored on a different like actual human level, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, what, yeah, what I've heard of, um, the things I heard are pretty similar, I guess. I mean, it was more about the music scene and it was. I think what happens is that you you become a public servant. Uh, you know, you start working for a Ministry of Culture or a Cultural Administration, whatever, you know, that area is. And then, you know, they, they're they like, oh, you go to concerts, that's good. Then, you know, then I put you in, in you know, write, mm -hmm. write a report on that concert, right? If you, if you go and then if you, oh, you're embedded in that scene or you like it, then, okay, that's what you can, uh, you know, start ch checking out and managing and doing. And so, um, I remember, you know, the people being all, also careful of what they post um, on Doban or other websites, uh, saying, you know, if you put if you put this event on Facebook, then they will find that it's happening. So if you don't want to these people to find that's going on, you have to promote it maybe just through you know private WeChat channels and stuff. So there is mm -hmm. a kind of awareness about the possibility that if you're doing something sensitive, then there's people monitoring you. I mean, for, for many yeah. scenes, it's not the case because you're not doing anything, you know, sensitive, you're just right. playing, you know, punk rock or whatever. Yo, I kind of want to pose a question, though, to you guys. Like, yeah. do you think it's possible that these people don't feel that they're in opposition to underground culture, that they actually feel like they're fulfilling moral responsibility to the culture itself and not actually even to the powers yeah. that be. Because it might even be posed as like, you know, this is not some kind of like, we're trying to knock you down. We're just trying to guide you into some Whoa. moral, more moral route of like culture. Who are you yeah. talking, yeah. like, for example, like who are you talking to? You're, you're talking about the people higher up? Like the people- Yeah, no, I'm talking about like these like art spies. Like I feel like- You mean the foot soldiers, like the- Yeah, exactly. This is very interesting for me as well, because. I think I've noticed some of them, but I have always wondered how educated they are, like how informed they are about the thing, about the music, uh, whatever, and whatever they're engaging. And if they are, then why would they still want to be a spy? So it's very, um, it's very interesting. Um, unless you talk to one of them, is 
impossible to know, I guess. Right. I'm really fascinated by this, and of course, like, this is this kind of infiltration is obviously not unique to uh, China. I mean, this is really idiosyncratic and strange, the whole concept of art spies. But like the the general kind of like dundering state monitoring is very familiar. Like when Occupy Wall Street happened uh, in New York, I was there uh, quite a lot. I worked down the street from it, and so I was there pretty much every day. Mm. And it was always like so. You know, NYPD just tries really hard to infiltrate uh, mass things like that and mm-hmm. put in provocateurs and people who just sort of monitor or take video and. You could always kind of tell who it was because it was like these like beefy like Italian American <laughs> bros wearing wearing like Yankees caps, and they would like you know like in Occupy there were you'd use like these hand signals yeah, yeah, yeah. in 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 the mass um, you know assemblies, and they would always kind of like look around really obviously at what other people were doing and then like imitate it. And right. I I even have this one very this this cute little anecdote where I was staying in the park overnight one day because uh, something sort of dramatic had happened and people were encouraging people to stay in the park overnight because they were worried about it getting cleared. And I was just sort of like standing around smoking and this guy walks up to me and he's um, like a kind of Asian American like bro, Mm -hmm. literally (laughs) wearing a Yankees cap. (laughs) wearing just like the blandest like blue jeans and that kind of like totally nondescript kind of shirt and he comes up to me and he's like uh hey and i'm like hey and he's like so what do you uh what do you think about all this and I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's uh it's fine it's fine to me and he goes hey, you know what i think and i was like what he goes i think we're like in the center of disruption wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i just sort of i just sort of like took a drag on a cigarette and like exhaled it (laughs) and just kind of like walked away from him um but that's that's the kind of like bozos you see obviously not a guy who really cares about the movement right but that that's what seems potentially kind of interesting about this and i think I, I don't know, I would believe Katie's conjecture that, like, maybe there are people who, I mean, particularly in sort of, like, the ideological space of China that um, can reconcile this kind of uh, enjoyment of subculture with a, like, slightly moralistic sense that they should keep tabs on things. Um, has, has anybody done a fucking ethnography on this yet? Yeah, it's not, great. not yet. <laughs> not yeah. yet. Because, but like, I, want... I mean, essentially, by my description, I'm also a spy. Mm. So, I don't sure. know. I just have that also, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just this whole situation is just so confusing. This is why I went to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Was it better? How was Mexico? Oh, it was chill. It was chill. I just went there to, like, kind of cool off and like also I have to do visa runs so I went out of the country oh, that's, that's a that's a very long visa run yeah <laughs> uh, where did you go was it was it which city I went to Mexico was City it Mexico City okay yeah um, and I met was some really any, nice people. Well, I mean, you had some, like, uh, Shanghai-Mexico City connection through art spaces as well, right? There. Yeah, that was through an art space. Then through uh, Basement Six, I met someone who also had a similar space in Mexico City that was also, like, subsequently, like, shut down. So we were kind of, like, 
going through that together. And then um, I met another person who has like made a mix for us for the radio, and he was really interesting. And um, and I that's I'm through his community. I met some people who were inviting me to give a talk, and that's when actually we talked. Remember? Yeah. I yeah, called yeah. you that time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that that worked out really well. That worked out really well. Because actually, they knew a lot about Shanghai. They knew a lot about like Shanghai culture. They knew about like they were following like Genome Six 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 record label. They knew a lot about like Kim Lawton's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we had a lot to kind of talk about there, and and that worked out really well. Yeah, because I guess Shanghai is pretty. I mean, in the last few years, it got kind of on, on the map for underground electronic music and digital art. I mean, there is this whole idea of like futuristic Shanghai with all this crazy stuff and cyber culture, art, and things that so it's pretty popular online. So I guess that's where they were coming from, following this imagination stuff. Yeah, definitely. And like But, some uh, people, some followers of like accelerationism, etc. Right. Yeah. There was yeah, a yeah, guy was. there who I met who had like filmed this like very interesting film with Nick Land and so oh yeah had, yeah right yeah remember what's the film yeah he had yeah, come yeah, to yeah. Shanghai too so yeah it's all quite connected yeah I haven't I think I watched a snippet of that was it like a documentary interview was it, kind of yeah was it and he was like filmed in a coffee shop it was like it was very um, intimate I guess yeah yeah what's the name of the film yeah no it, it, it was not hyperstition it was um, I forgot it had like weird visuals and then it had like the voice Nick Nick's voice <laughs> okay. yeah this was eduardo makosa is the director shout out to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to him and he What's was the also the moderator the for the talk that i did but he um yeah he he got i don't know how he got that close to him i think he just randomly messaged him i don't remember how that worked but i do remember that the he had sent like uh an edit to nick land and then he had just tweeted out the the link to everyone like before it was released <laughs> So right. yeah, I think that it might still be private. I'm not sure. It's on Vimeo, I believe. Yeah, we can check check it out later, and then if if it's public, we can put a link. Yeah, um, yeah, cool, cool. It was a weird a weird connection, like a Shanghai, Mexico's you know futurism Nick Land. <laughs> exactly. What what about uh, Shanghai Community Radio then? Did, so it started at Basement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's kind but of. But how is the? Because at Basement, I think at Basement, you, it's it was you and maybe like five other people, right? Basement crew. But then how did the Shanghai Community Radio start? Like, was it the same people or was people from outside moving in or? So that was a whole separate crew. Um, okay. At the time we had, yeah, there was like five, six of us, five of us at the basement mm-hmm. doing kind of more focusing on like performance art and visual arts and uh, digital arts. And then yeah. on the other side, I had some friends who I would like go out a lot with and they were like kind of my like nightlife friends, clubbing friends. And I... Um, one of them suggested like why don't you just try this like just make a community radio it's so hot right now no it was mm. ju- there was like a lot of them cropping up um, a- in Asia at the time so Seoul yeah. Community Radio had started and they were quite successful uh, in terms of their production and then Hong Kong Community Radio had started like a year before yeah. and um, it was something I really liked to listen to and then I think a few more had cropped up like in uh, Taipei um, Singapore. Yeah, I'm has still. One. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the order. I always wanted to know the order of things because I think the the inspiration came maybe from. I mean, of course, from Europe, but then through Korea, right? Maybe, then to yeah. Hong Kong or Shanghai. Yep. I don't know which one was first. And Hong then Kong, Taipei, but yeah, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong okay. are our big bros. Okay. Really, really inspiring crew down there. Actually, really, really inspiring. 
Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they have a, a great space too. They've just moved into a new building and they're. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend anyone like go visit them physically or or their station online. Um, yeah, so we started that, and and at the time there was this kind of like uh, neighboring uh, studio, like music studio of a friend, mm -hmm. and we like cut a hole between the two of them, these rooms, and um, connected like our space to his. And that was really cool. It's kind of like served as a DJ booth. And it was like, everything was like completely falling apart always. Cause it's mm. like, it was a very kind of moldy situation again. You can imagine. <laughs> if you look at some of our videos, you can see like wires hanging from the ceiling. I think it was like probably not the best setup, but it's like what we That's had right. and like, that's kind of what Basement was for, was for like anyone mm -hmm. to test any project they wanted before it could like go into the real world. And that was like us maybe in beta test. Um, mm -hmm. And our first episodes were really great. And then when the space closed, it kind of like halted the project. And I think mm. um, probably we lost a, a lot of audience because we just didn't put out any material for like six months. We oh, tried, wow, okay. yeah, we tried, we tried like functioning in clubs, um, but as well dealing with like live stream um, mm -hmm. is quite tough. And then as well, there's yeah. like this really kind of unique expectation of us going like Facebook Live or YouTube Live and these things that we don't necessarily have like access to within, um, within mainland China. So that right. requires like VPN and that slows down your bandwidth. And then it's just like makes a really kind of a, like just just a clusterfuck, a headache. It's just a total headache dealing with all that kind of stuff. So where where were you streaming before was Facebook? We were, were doing, doing Facebook. Facebook. So okay. our engineer had figured out a way to stream simultaneously to Facebook and Billy Billy so that we okay. didn't isolate any audience um, in terms of like loc location, like within right. China and, w and outside of China. Um, so we were doing that simultaneously, but that just take a lot of effort in terms of like stability of the internet. Um, yeah, of course. Like yeah. we were like dropping frame rates all the time. Like it's, it's while we're doing video, right? So it's not just- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, it, this is like, yeah, so this is like um, a whole new world for me at the time and still is, it still is. But figuring out what does radio mean on the internet now when, you know, you have Boiler Room and you have Facebook Live and you have, you know, all these new kind of resources at uh, available. And then also what does it mean with inside China where there's even different, you know, streaming platforms available here. Yeah, you have like a hundred. And then also of, ones that are yeah. not available. So what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so that took, yeah, a lot of like, I guess, consideration and like curation, thinking about what we wanted to represent as well. And anyway, yes, yeah, so we were without a space functioning in clubs and then, you know, dealing with trying to make it live and work well and yeah. And then, so I was kind of like, okay guys, like I don't want to like wear out the team. I don't want to wear out the name. Let's just take a break and figure out when we can get a new space. And then I think maybe two months ago now, we mm -hmm. had um, an initial like I guess angel investor right. help us to land this new studio. And so it's been it's been really fun now here. Um, so is it a still in Shanghai like city center? Yeah, actually, is it's it like it's like between the two basements that we had. It's like right oh, there. Neat. Yeah, it's amazing, so it's and it's in a basement, that, of course, again. Right. So it's Hell a yeah. That that works for other like normally a studio during the day and then you get it for a Shanghai community radio like once a week or you have access to it when you want so the way it works is um when I came back in town I had a friend who was like yo I'm starting to um, teach at this DJ school mm. okay and I don't know if if anyone else like I don't know if these are like common things now I don't know but they're all over Shanghai like DJ schools I don't know if it's like Jungle Yoshiha like inspired a lot of people to Probably. 
learn DJing. It's right, right. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that crazy. I, <laughs> like kids as young as, as like six years old, I was reading, are learning CDJs <laughs> as if they're like an oboe or like a clarinet. Like their parents are like, yo, go learn this instrument. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like my mom goes to like the unit that they call it old people university or something so elderly university is a thing in china where old people go there just pay a like small amount of money for some courses in whatever and one of them is dj course and a lot of us 60s years old moms and grandpas and they go there and learn some dj skills i'm not even joking yo where are they at i want to book them where are they i think you should have your mom on shanghai community (laughs) yo seriously that would be so nice Yeah, I mean, are I these places, are these schools that are in, they are in mainland China? Is that what you're referring to? Uh, uh, my mom is in Wuhan. Yeah, in Wuhan. So, so yeah. Ah, okay, cool. So, cool. like, the, the electronic music scene in Wuhan is quite, uh, it's growing really fast in the past few years. And mm-hmm. even the underground scene is pretty good. There's several um, really, I mean, also called basement, or one is called cellar. So, it's like, it also in a basement area. Um, it's, it's, right. Um, it's a pretty interesting place because um, they rented a place at the back of a shopping like high-end shopping center and um i think that it's it's in a sort of um residential area for mostly uh international students and right. well most international students in wuhan are from africa so oh, that yeah. place has um pretty much if you like it's basically all these uh, a, a massive xiaochu and all these high rises and then you have a podium and this podium have like five bars like a congregation of mm-hmm. bars and if you just look around like half of the people in the bars are black people and maybe 20 percent white and the rest chinese people and then the basement um cellar is well is in the basement of that um beneath all the bars and it's really cool is it a club it's, it's, like a electronic music? yeah it's mo- exclusively underground um mostly well i've never seen mainstream shows there or even like indie music mm. only like really underground electronic music shows and i think Howard Lee even gave a show there Whoa. so oh, oh yeah so yeah. um so they they it's, it's like the every i think every city every major city now nowadays have probably has a similar thing of their own electronic music scene and i mean I don't think the whole um, kids so or even older people are so massively interested in DJs are related to that. Maybe I mean it, it's just a yeah, general. Yeah, no, of course that's that's probably from television. Yeah, that's like a different thing. But there's a general yeah. climate that people really mean. That's obviously my mom's into different kind of electronic music. <laughs> So right, right so um, mostly mixing like shopping uh, goal and stuff like that. I mean, that, that's great. <laughs> Yo, I would definitely listen to that. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely listen to that. You know, there's like this that genre like that's called like taxi driver music. Amazing. And I Is love that. Is it like that. a yeah, like trashy, so, like, trashy happy house pop? Yeah, exactly. It's like thing. happy hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely like really high BPM. And it's like engineered to keep taxi drivers awake while they're driving. Great. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's great. I would definitely listen to that. We should do a mix. We should do a, a taxi radio and like- uh, Totally, man, yeah. And like square dance music mix for yes, Shanghai Community that. Radio. It's like, <laughs> sound system, big sound system music. Yeah. How's a, how does, what about the audiences? Like how, how now you're streaming again <clears throat> are you streaming online on facebook now that you have a new studio or yeah so it's so good to have like stability um in terms of like our setup 
So we were like packing up stuff and doing it mobily. Anyway, yeah, we're doing uh, Billy Billy a lot. We're focusing a lot more on mm. Billy Billy. We got a lot of feedback from the community. Shout out to everyone there. But <laughs> that we're like kind of like, you know, just worry about Shanghai first. Like don't like you don't need to reach out to Facebook yet. I think the whole reason yeah. I was so inspired by doing Facebook Live was because of Hong Kong Community Radio. They were like very engaging on there. Um, and I felt yeah. like maybe that's the direction we should have gone in. But actually, um, Billy Billy has a really great audience are very similar to twitch mm -hmm. a lot of gamers a lot of kids like watching anime or like just like funny I, like kind of meme videos i just went to the um, billy billy page of Shanghai community it says it's suspended okay yeah. yeah okay oh yeah so we okay that's part of it yes we can't talk about that um we have another one so maybe it's not been properly linked that's probably my okay. my bad it's, yeah, it's a I channel called ch uh, uh shc radio with five videos and there is a uh, live streaming shcr yeah, yeah there's there's two of them yeah um it should be on our mix cloud that can root you directly usually what i tell people is the easiest way to find us is like on our instagram shc mm our underscore radio and then our link is just like right there in the bio because at this moment we still don't have like a centralized website right. so we're kind of like a floating platform um and yeah so so we've been using billy billy and it's quite fun and it's more like a party vibe these people kind of log in and they like talk shit in the comments and mm -hmm. like you know whatever shout out to their friends whatever um but yeah one time i did vj something this is totally my fault that kind of looks like a like a penis okay. and then we were suspended <laughs> for initially like and because you know like all these sensors are definitely like just it's some algorithm right no um, it's not if it was like any other color besides like a flesh tone like, it would have been uh -huh. fine i think um but anyway so it was like yeah some images from a dildo factory i thought it was really funny but i guess okay and and my reasoning was like i found this on like ponyo trend like it was on my wechat moment so i was like there's no like it's our, i found this from you know, like a <laughs> public forum on like a Chinese-based internet. No. And then I was like, I'm just putting it on Billy Billy. But anyway, no, you can't do that. So we were flagged and we were taken down for like, there's like this ticker that comes up. It's like, okay, you've been banned for five minutes. And then we checked like, you know, a couple minutes later and it's like, okay, you can log back on in like 2028. And I was okay. like, okay, so we've been banned <laughs> for 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, so we've been, <laughs> we've been, we were banned for 10 years. So we like started over yeah. again. Yeah, 2028, July the 16th. <laughs> yeah, you can see it there? Yeah, I can see it. Whoa, if you can see it. We should definitely have a party then. We're definitely going to yeah. celebrate <laughs> that. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I just like to think that we have this thing I like to call like the aesthetics of failure because it's just we just take L's all the time. I think that's sometimes why people watch and just be like, what's going to go wrong next? Like, <laughs> who knows, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's I have like the team is really good and like I have a lot of fun myself and um, and our guests yeah, are really I great guess, and eager. Uh, and the community I, I, I guess Hong Kong has more. Uh, I mean, Hong Kong has Facebook. That's it. That's why people, you know, people use Facebook, and that's why Hong Kong Community Radio is like that engagement with the audience. But in Shanghai, Billy Billy is probably a great choice because you get, you know, all these local audiences that you wouldn't get on Facebook. I guess the censorship was probably because Billy Billy is pretty sensitive because there's a lot of do kids watching that? it, so do they're remember, probably do you remember totally. The time, um, do you remember that time I was streaming your mixtape and then I got censored? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have probably even community, you know, moderators. They have, they have at uh, flagged stuff. Can I ask what the story was about your mixtape? Was it just actually that fire? What happened? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I made that like Sinofuturism mixtape, I think. Oh. And then Dino, Dino streamed it on Bilibili um, while putting some GIFs under it, like a VJ type of thing, mm-hmm. just for fun. I think there were like five people watching. I don't know, like really few. Uh, but I think then, then what did you put? Like a Jiang Zemin Yeah, I put a Jiang Zemin gift, gift. something. Jiang Zemin was like, um, like rainbow beans. From his from eyes. His something eyes like or something that. like that. Um, yeah. and, and I got censored. And it was, uh, there was a message sent from the community. I, some, I think his administrator is probably, I don't think it's just automatic message. It says exactly why, what, what happened. It told me like, mm-hmm. what well, this is this Jimmy this image is not allowed. You shouldn't show it, and if you remove it, we 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 just let you we we'll leave the suspension. So, mm-hmm. so it's like so it's pretty responsive. Like they're always online, always ready. Yeah, so they have. So that was like quite instantaneous for you then. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it was inst- instantaneous because uh-huh. these sort of stuff actually managed uh, managed by real people uh, for Bilibili. They, oh really? They have several hundred people just like full time. Their job is monitoring live streams. those streams. Yeah, all they do is watch live streams 24-7. Like, they, there's several hundred wow. people on shifts. All they do is monitor all these live streams. So they, any problems that happen, they can censor it like, at opportune time, whatever that happens. So nothing gets out of the platform. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Kitty, did you have any connection to uh, Billy Billy? Like, or do you think to like getting in touch with them, or do they get in touch with you? Like, I'm just wondering if they have like some program to get like featured on, or, or you think that would hurt the platform? Like, you want to keep it? Actually, I've never thought about that. I'm so bad at branding. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad at this. Um, no, but I'm so just yeah, curious. no, I've never like talked to them. Actually, we 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 were talking to Mixcloud for a while. They're really nice guys out there. Because they know, they hit us back and they were like, you know, we know the situation, like where you live. Mm. We know, like, you can't really access SoundCloud. So, like, you know, we'll put you on, like, editor's choice for, like, a few months. Like, whatever you want to put up. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're really, really nice. So, yeah, Mixcloud was great. Shout out to those guys. But, um, no, I've never actually been in touch with Billy Billy aside from this, like, incident. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, maybe that's something to look into. What's the numbers? Like how many people, do you have an idea how many people watch like, uh, one live stream on a given day? Is it like um, hundreds? So or? we tried to do like in the evenings. I've played with, with the, uh, the time slots a little bit. Um, and actually this demographic is more online at night, which you guys right, can yeah. guess, right? Like, yeah. Internet kids don't sleep. So, um, around like nine to 12 p.m i think one of our top shows maybe had like 800 people listening at a time okay which is okay like it's not huge but um it's fun like people are kind of talking to each other and like spamming comments and um and of course those comments are like dynamic and like go across the screen which is also yeah. like really influenced our aesthetic uh but yeah it becomes more interactive and then people are talking also in a wechat group so yeah it can be it can be quite engaging and that's really what i'm going for mm-hmm. it seems it seems a reasonable number like hey 100 because i guess good. you know that's it's, pretty good it, each city has its uh, underground scene and the people that are interested are probably you know just a few hundreds and you know the ones that log in and find it uh if it's not a mainstream you know event um so now that you mentioned uh you know your recent feelings about the city just wondering how how you feel about is it uh is it getting better worse more clubs less clubs uh more expensive more oppressive How, how how are you feeling in there 
Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be biased and, like, have, you know, a tainted view. But um, I think after this, we lost the space, I kind of, like, I just went into, like, a weird spiral of, like, identity crisis. Like, just to be really mm -hmm. honest, like, I, I think um, I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. So... Yeah, I, I went out a lot, and that's also was really good for the radio, like in terms of like finding new young DJs and seeing who was interested in like collaborating. Um, that was really nice. Uh, so like all club has opened, and I think that's a, one of the biggest things. I don't know if you've been here for that. Have no. you? No. What's the name? All club A L L. No, no. Okay, no. well, this is kind of like as the story goes, like um, it's Gaz and probably Kim's and a few other people's like new oh, version okay. of Shelter. Wow, right, okay, sure. Yeah, so that's also kind of like uh, part of the Shanghai story definitely is like Shelter Club was like such a big, iconic, yeah. just like cultural mecca, you know? And mm -hmm. um, I, like personally, I love that place a lot too. It was really great. Yeah, and it was, it was you know, it was probably the original bomb shelter club was the first one right definitely like, definitely yeah. and and like i had come i think i had visited shanghai in like 2010 or something like during the expo mm -hmm. and i remember yeah. like i was like yo where should we go out and someone was like let's do you should go to this bar and yeah, um same. and i was, had I was come down the here same years like 2009 was the same for me like yeah, I think that's when it had just started, when it had just opened, I believe. Yep. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so I, I went there and I remember it was actually literally a hole in the wall. It was a, There was mm -hmm. a wall and there was a hole. <laughs> that was how you could find it. And you went yeah, in yeah. and it was like, you go down kind of like a tube tunnel and and then it was a club in there and it was like really dark. Um, like there was not, a, like as in there was no lights. But also, yeah, the yep. vibe was really dark. It was a lot of drum and bass. Um, uh -huh. And yeah, you you could like be quite anonymous there. It was a really nice vibe. And then as the career of Shelter went on, it got more and more local. Like uh, yeah. I remember, like Genome's first show was there, um, and I think they were the first like all Chinese crew to like have a party there. And it, that was really, I think, a really interesting, a really really strong moment in Shanghai culture. Um, anyway, so that they their lease ended, and then um, the club's owners, and this is just all me from like following stories, whatever. But the club's owners invested in a new space, mm -hmm. and that space is called All Club, and I'm pretty sure it's the design, like the um, interior design, is done by Kim Lawton, um, mm -hmm. who probably you guys know is like a really renowned like 3D yeah, artist, visual artist slash visual artist, yeah, yeah um, and very talented guy. And so he, yeah, so it's, it has a very kind of uh, cyberpunk, minimal cyberpunk aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's like, it's quite brilliant in a lot of ways. Like uh, there are no paper posters anywhere. Everything is, there are like six uh, like um, LCD screens um, mm -hmm. at the door and they all play the posters. They like play video okay. posters, okay? And they're all like rotated portrait so that right. the posters play there. Um, there's like an um, amazing LED screen behind the DJ. There's uh, a quite good sound system and everything is kind of like exposed uh, cement walls and this like really nice, interesting texture. So when if you, whenever you take a photo there and you put it online, people are going to know that's where you are. Okay. Is uh, it close to shelter, like the uh, same area? Um, it's or more in Jing'an. It's, yeah, it actually okay. is in Jing'an. Like, Shelter was on that street more in Shuhui, I think, like in the mm -hmm. former French concession. So this is, like, actually sh shares the same building as Paris. So there's, like, some weird 
uh, stuff that happens downstairs yeah. sometimes. Like, yeah. Perry's is like this um, hostel kind of feeling bar, like a college bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, yeah, student, it, cult, yeah, student bar. It's not a lot of crossover there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the bookings are amazing. And then the, the vibe is, is really uh, strong in that place. But I think it has changed a lot in terms of how people party. Because like I said, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a very visual experience. It feels a little bit more intimidating, I could say. And th- it's not as like this like 90% black as uh, Shelter was. So it's like a little bit less anonymity. And actually like mm-hmm. it's more opposing anonymity. Like people are like extremely visible and they want to be. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's like this vibe of like kind of club kid, like new club kid era happening mm-hmm. where you have like people who are like full time, like they're actually like extremely well styled and, um, you know, go out with like deliberate intentions of like, you know, looking good. And, and I think um, there's even like a crowd of like, you know, kids who want to become models. They go there and they look you know, for photographers and there's like a lot of deals that go on because there's right. a big lounge space. So it feels more like a bar. Yeah. So there's, so there's it's less, less underground. I mean, it's like underground music probably, but the, the space is more like a posh club. Right. Or like, well, art, art I think, yeah, I think that, that you can still draw some differences because, you know, like posh clubs that I have gone to, like when I was this like really naive ass, like expat girl here um (laughs) like i went to like m2 you know like these bond clubs like bar rouge like i think that's what people think when they think like oh you want to go and like be fake fancy like go there right 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 so like also definitely has integrity like in terms of the bookings are always really great um people know they're going to hear good music when they go um but i think in terms of it being more of a spectacle is there yeah it's more of a like like an alternative alternative club like yeah aesthetic and yeah so i think that has changed a lot um i think that and 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 all has kind of even changed in terms of the formatting like there's more av parties like av as in like audiovisual. like there's a lot more um you'll see vjs who are so so talented because that screen is so big and bright and everyone just kind of faces it and watches that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so like, you know, Kim has done some really, really nice VJ set and also uh, Wang Xinyi and, you know, there's like countless other VJs, like my even my friend Chill Chill, he's done like really interesting things. So this is pushing visuals into another direction, okay? And and I think this even sets precedence in terms of like how visual arts has worked in, in Shanghai. Yeah, because pretty, I think pretty. if people know like, oh, I can go to the art museum, I could go to K11 and see like whatever, whatever. Or I can go to all and like actually see like a, an incredible visual experience. It's like, actually, I'll just go to the club. And so I think for yeah. me, like, in terms of, like, I don't want to say super involved, but I was, like, partially involved in, like, quote, unquote, the art world. And mm-hmm. seeing this kind of changeover it has really changed my focus. Like, I'm just like, whatever, I'm so over the gallery. Like, it's gross. Like, the yeah, entire system is set up in this, you know, ridiculous institution with a lot of legs and arms that, like, just go all over the place. Whereas the club is, like, your consumer is paying the ticket. And mm-hmm. it's A to B. And, like, that is just, like, in terms of how it's sustainable is, like, a much cleaner model. Um, and then, as well, like, how it's consumed is, like, it, like so rapid. So that changes a lot of, uh, like I said, about how visual art works. And as well, too, like, people make installations in the club, like, during their parties. Like, people really get into this. So, yeah, I, I think that, um, and that also really, in terms of, like, timing of production, it accelerates a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Because 3D artworks are being produced faster than you can imagine. And then, as well, like, getting materials made for you or whatever for, like, your installation 
is quite uh, much quicker than you would do like for a, an art gallery exhibition. Um, and then as yeah, well, and I guess these DJ, going like back a, to these DJ schools, like people are learning how to DJ really quickly. So the scene, like, and long story short, is just like moving so fucking fast. Yeah, especially if you have like these events, then you have to perform like a VJ set, and then it's it's gone, like just you know two hours. So it just it's accelerated. It's not like a gallery show that's there for a month and people go see it exactly. or not. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think that that was out. also inspiring for the radio. Sorry, I'm talking over you all the fucking time. Expe- no, 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 it's of fine. Accelerating, yo. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that really inspired a lot of the radio is that in terms of uh, how things are digested, they're just here and they're live streamed and then they're gone and that's it. And mm-hmm. it's like you're here for that moment um, and, and now and now it's it's over. So it's like yeah, it's just becoming faster and faster yeah no here's a question i had before because you said you know the live streams are gone from from shanghai community radio but what about basement like do you have any documentation of like the years of activity and stuff you've done do you, do you plan on like putting it somewhere because that seems like a like really important materials of yeah. a place that's gone I'm, is there any yeah like I, I was considering how to to take care of that like how to like have and i mean care in the word care like because to me it was like obviously something very personal for me and like sacred mm-hmm. um in terms of like curating people and all this we have like an instagram with like a bunch of random photos uh, yeah. but i would love to tell a story i would love to mm-hmm. put this into a way to tell a story i've been thinking of like i don't know a comic book or a zine that really represents it in a different way or um another thing that i'm working on that i don't know when it will ever be ready but to also really consider archive and what it means and if i was to like put all these artifacts on like taobao like what would that do Mm -hmm. or like yeah really kind of uh considering the 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 platform that it was broadcasted on um would be interesting but yeah i think that's gonna be like a really long process yeah yeah. just sounds like a lot of materials that you know could be interesting and uh you know 10, 20 years when they give you back your uh, Billy Billy account. Yeah. <laughs> In 10 years. What's the Insta account where you maybe have some some material? Oh, it's basement.6. Great. Yeah, it hasn't been updated yeah, you either. Should, everybody follow those Insta accounts, um, uh, Map Points and Veteranas and Rukas. It's these uh, really exquisite accounts that document the uh, Southern California Latina party scene from the early 90s. No way. And, oh, God, it's so fucking good. Can you send and, uh, to the group? Like the, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll in, in, include a link in the show. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it, it, it's pretty notable in the U.S. I think, like, the new museum anointed it uh, by, like, installing, like, their Insta-feed, like, in the museum mm. and bringing nice. the person in as a guest curator. And she's um, she's expanded into, like, other media. So she has started um, uh, exhibiting or selling some artifacts from that time. And then I think she also produced a book about it recently. I, I bought a T-shirt at one of her pop-up stores that's just this... Uh, it's like a, the design on the T-shirt is a party flyer for a party that was called Horny Land, and it's this giant, like kind of like Henry Darger-esque, like painting of a bunch of of all the Disney characters like having an orgy together. Nice. Um, it's exquisite, but yeah, no, I, an an interesting model for like how do you how do you document these kind of like ephemeral uh, subcultures in in the kind of digital media spaces? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, thanks, thanks, Katie, for the amazing episode, and thanks, uh, Dino and Patrick, for being around. So I hope you enjoyed. Have a good oh, yeah. time. Um, we'll wrap it up, and thanks to all our uh, patrons. 
that are actually zero, so we have no money. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about a way of uh, maybe uh, having some contributions to pay for hosting because it's been a year already. So, uh, but well, anyway, we'll see you next episode. Of course, with good ideas. Cheers. Cheers.